Welcome to episode 30 of This Old Deck. I get to sit down with John Revel and discuss his win at Kumite. Enjoy. It'll more than likely just be something I say, not something you say. Um, all right, introduce yourself, because if I, I'm not going to introduce you, you got to do it yourself. Okay, all right. So, my name's John Revel. Um, I'm a, I'm a member of the Columbus Cobalts, which is a local group to Columbus, Ohio. Um, <clears throat> been playing old school magic since about 2015. So, first started um, with my oldest brother, Sean, um, building a cube out of old school cards after he read MG's blog. This is probably like 2014. So, um, we... We were limited players back then. We played a little bit of Legacy. So I already had some duels and stuff, but we uh, we played this cube, and it was just the most incredible thing in the world because there were all these cards from our childhood, and, you know, plus limited, right? So it was incredible. We loved it. And then we figured out that this was, like, a format people were starting to play. Um, this is probably... He probably had the cube completed sometime in, you know, middle of 2015, maybe early 2015. Um, wasn't late for sure, but um, at that, that point, Jayco had posted Eternal Central rules. I think they had that first tournament at, like, Eternal Weekend. I think it was, like, in 14 or something. And um, we started making decks. I remember, <laughs> like, the very first piece of power i bought was like an ancestral recall at ce ancestral i got it on ebay for like 40 how much yes yes excellent good yeah good. so that Fuck. so and like my brother sean he had like heavily played ce power that he bought he bought this like ce power set from a store in colorado or something like in the early 2000s for like 100 bucks and i had a time twister in there it was absolutely destroyed and he gave it to me for my birthday so like yes. i got pretty lucky getting in early but um, you know, it's, I've always been not super competitive with magic. I've always enjoyed, so I have two brothers, right? So Sean yes. and Ben. I was going to explain the whole three brothers thing because yes. like a lot of people get you all confused, but continue. Yeah. So I'm well, glad I'll, you are. Let's go, I'll just go ahead and explain it. So, uh, I'm the youngest. Okay. Okay. Um, and then there's Ben who's kind of in between Sean and myself. So Sean's the oldest. Then there's Ben and there's me. So I'm the youngest. Ben and I play a decent amount. I would say Ben's probably the most active. He's probably more active than me. Um, Sean used to play a lot. Um, he's been playing a little bit more lately. He actually, his first, so our first old school tournament together was when we went to Cleveland in 20, 2018, I believe it was, and uh, went to the Cleveland Rocks event, their first event. And uh, we actually did pretty well. So, um, it kind of leads into a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. So I was on rug zoo. I placed fifth. Um, yes. And I know that's something that is near and dear to your heart, Eric, are, uh, because, you know, I know you've been playing this red green stuff. I know you were going for that black border deck. Did you ever, did you ever finish that? Uh, it is mostly done. The, the Tigers, oh, everything's altered. So it's either black border. It's like the black border cards are either CE or betas. My tigers are revised, but they're full art order, like full art okay. alters I've gotten done. So nice. like, there's no white border stuff left in it. The only upgrades I need to make is 
if I want to make it like like Euro legal, like Swedish legal, would be unlimited taigas and a set of earnings. Everything nice. else is beta. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So Rug Zoo, I, I was you know, I was telling this to 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 Josh Bergoa this weekend. I was telling this to Case this weekend. Like Rug Zoo will forever be my favorite old school deck because it's my one. first dual land ever was was a place of the Tigers. I got them for like 40 bucks and I wanted to play Kurt Ape. Like that's all <laughs> I wanted to do is play Kurt Ape because he's just so much fun, right? Like I played Red Green a lot in Legacy um, back in the day and I also played Fairy Stompy in Legacy back in the day. Fairy Stompy played Serendipifreet. You know, Red Green Beats played uh, like Kurt Ape and Chain Lightning and Lightning Bolt. So like it's kind of melding those two Legacy decks I played together into this mismatch of you know, burn and all this stuff. And um, it's just, it's just like, that is my favorite deck. Um, I just hate sitting in a bottle. I hate getting bottles. Like I always want to throw things in there too, but like, you know, bottle is just like my worst nightmare. But, um, but anyways, uh, I placed fifth. I played Shaman Ben for, for the, like for first place. He was on his mono black rack deck. He absolutely destroyed me. I cited in like whirling dervish and shatter and all this stuff. And I didn't draw any of it. And he just like, just destroyed me with racks. And it, it was like amazing. Like to, he like put on a clinic that day. I think he was like undefeated or went X one or something, but um, lost to Ben, but Sean, he ended up getting third place in that tournament. He went X one. His only loss was to me, but he was playing this mono blue workshop deck and yes he was playing um suchi juggernaut triskelion and tetravis with sage alatnam and four mana vault so he's just sitting there and getting mana vault out he's sacking it and drawing cards with sage alatnam and just watching this workshop deck like in understanding that workshops can have like an aggro strategy because like a lot of these workshop decks like they're playing like eight creatures nine they're like more control like control builds. yeah Yeah. like four ices two relic barriers so i wanted to get workshops i ended up getting them um and i've been playing shops for a little bit um but i was always like you know this mono blue shops list is really cool i like it a lot but it's kind of one dimensional, right? Like what do you even sideboard, right? Like you're cutting threats. Like it's almost hard to kind of build a sideboard for it. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I wanted to, so let's fast forward a little bit. So um, fall 2022, I went to thrash bash, which is Dave Gura's tournament. Yeah. That sounds like a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Anybody listening um, if you're on the fence about going to Thrash Bash, go to Thrash Bash. The venue is incredible. It's like you're stepping into a castle. Like, it's amazing. Dave is an awesome person, such a good host. Um, we had such a good time there. I wanted to play workshops there, but I wanted to play, like, blue-green workshops, I think. But I ended up doing an audible. I, I played 8-Lion. I think I got, like, ninth place or something um ran pretty close to pez's list that he ran at kumite a couple years ago but 
I still wanted to run, you know, workshop, but I just I called that audible. I was like, yeah, love a list here. So, um, you know, let's fast forward here to, to Kumite here that happened, um, you know, this past weekend. Uh, same thing happened. I was like, you know, I've been playing a lot of Rugzu. Like I played Rugzu at Eternal Week in 19. I played Rugzu in Cleveland. You know, I've pretty much just like, been running this list this rug list that's like been my main list like i'll play other lists too but like that's been like my main list i've been on and um i was like you know i want to try to play workshops but i don't want to play this like i don't want to play like winter orb prison shops i don't like like that's cool and it's fun but um i wanted to play something that was maybe a little bit more interactive and I went back. I did the same cycle I did before Thrash Bash. I, I was like, okay, let's start with mo- this mono blue shell and let's just try to, you know, work through it and figure out what we can do. Um, I also talked to Sean Sullivan and because I know that he's been running a lot of aggro shops lists. Yes, um, very uh, good shops know. player. Yes. So I was talking to Sean a little bit, talking to some other people, trying to figure out exactly what the proper list i should be running is and um where i ended up is i wanted to play an aggro list like i don't want to be playing this list where i'm you know like icy is good and i think it's too good not to include it's just such a ridiculously powerful card um but i also wanted an an aggro aspect to this deck so for me in my opinion I had to figure out, you know, what are the best cards to put in this deck? So first and foremost, you have to include blue. So like, I was just trying to figure out, okay, like blue is an auto include, right? So right. Mandatory. You get copy artifact, right? Like blue copy power. artifact, in my opinion, is what makes the deck so insanely good is you put a threat out like turn one, you copy it turn two. It's just ridiculous um, tempo, right? With the copy artifact. So... I thought, okay, I got to play blue, right? Then I was thinking to myself, okay, there's three, <laughs> there's only really three good artifact creatures in old school, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Suchi, Interskellion are the best two. Tetravis is probably the third best one. Okay. But he's just like, I think Tetravis is just kind of okay because he's just a six drop and. You have to wait a turn to take the tokens off, and then they have summoning sickness, and then you got to wait another turn to swing at the tokens. It's just like if you get a trike out, even if they yeah. disenchant, you can start it, hammering right away. Yeah, like yeah, even if they divine offer it, they're gonna only get any, they're only gonna get three life, right? They're not gonna get six life. So, like trike can have an immediate impact. You know, you can you can drop it, and then you can kill two savannah lines, right? So, trike has an immediate impact when it's cast and yes i think tetravis is good you know it can help in those games where you're playing against a moat but i think he's just okay so i thought to myself okay why don't i figure out if there's some other creatures i could be playing so thought about this for a while and i was like maybe i could just try serendib like because serendib is the best creature in the format I can probably get him on curve, maybe like turn four. So mm-hmm. thinking to myself, like, hey, maybe I go, uh, you know, Suchi, 
um, you know, Icy Manipulator, Triskelion, Serendipity, right? Like, that would be, like, how you curve them out. Yeah, it's a good three And drop. I, I play-tested it, and what I ended up finding is <clears throat> you get these hands where you get Workshop and you get Serendib, but you don't really have a way to get your Serendib out because you got Workshop. And you have to commit to either the Serendibs or you have to commit to the artifacts, you know, the artifact, like basically the robots. So it was hard for me to figure out what the proper way to go was with that. And I ended up just saying, like, I just don't think this is going to be a fit because I'm just getting pulled in two. Like, I'm basically doing two different things, right? Yeah, it's like having two decks. Yeah. Yeah. So they aren't really going in unison here, right? So I play tested that up for a while and I was like, you know, this is just not going to work. Um, the other, and the other reason is that I just don't think it's going to work is if you bring in abyss, like you just side out your, your dibs and it's just like, right. do I really want to be doing that? So it just seemed like if I was in a mono blue list, it might make some sense, but in my opinion, black is an auto-include in shops just because of the Abyss. Because, like, the Mind Twist, DT, and Abyss are the three reasons that you play black in shops. Those those three cards alone are, are, are why. Like, to me, it's blue-black, and then you pick your third color at that point. It's, you know, blue-black-white, blue-black-red. You know, if you want to do blue-black-green, you can play Berserk or something. But, like, blue and black are, like, the two that are all, all like, almost always auto included um so then i thought about because i would choose white like as my second color just for the i mean you we'll talk your list like in specifics but like for disenchant and swords of postures but the abyss really keeps you keeps you honest on that so okay yeah right. yeah, yeah. yeah i mean i i think white and black are probably neck and neck but the abyss is just so good because just like just think about it like you're you, like you start on turn three or four in a shop's deck right like mm-hmm. you're casting a four drop turn one or two and then if you a couple turns later followed up with an abyss then if they're playing a, like a creature deck like you are just getting so far ahead because they're either all their creatures are dying or they're not casting creatures or trying to build them up in their hand and then try to push them all out. Right. Like you're just getting so far ahead. So to me, I think like black is just so good just because of mainly abyss. Um, and then, you know, again, it's it, to me, it's either like red or white. I tested red. Um, I tried to test some lists where I went the burn route. So, mm-hmm. Lightning bolts, like bolts and cyanic glass. Or cyanic, okay. Yeah, and I and but what ended up happening is like you can't even fit chains in the list because you're cutting you like cut? icy yeah. manipulators. If you want an aggro um suite of creatures, you're ended up cutting like icy manipulator for like lightning bolt. And to me, it just doesn't like to me, like casting an icy manipulator and start tapping down permanent seems way better than just like three to the head. I don't know. Like I might be crazy, yeah. but it just seems like it just doesn't fit. You're um, not. And I feel like a lot of people are going like uh, four toughness creatures are better. Like I feel like red currently is not 
doing well because I think people are playing around it with creature choices. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You are seeing a lot more for toughness creatures for sure. Um, so, I mean, the bolts end up getting pointed to the head or the people have to save up, save up two bolts to, to bolt a single creature with, with two spells, right? So, um, so you know, I kind of went this like lightning bolt route. It was just wasn't good. Then I said, hey, maybe I could just, you know, keep keep that and just play wheel because wheels. <laughs> yeah, just have an aggro yeah, set. yeah. But then, you know, and then I get red blast and then I'm just like. Like, I don't know, like red blast, it gets um, energy flux, but it doesn't get all the other enchantments enchantments I would want to be killing with disenchant. Right. So I kind of landed at a point where I was like. Red's good, but then, you know, if if the burn doesn't work, I get Red Blast, yeah, but, like, maybe I should be playing Atog, and then it goes back to my point earlier, like, okay, I'm playing Abyss, so, like, right. I, I want to play Abyss. I, I played two Abyss in the main of my deck, um, just because I thought there there would be a creature-heavy creature uh, meta at, at Kumite. Um, and you probably weren't wrong based on the yeah, list I'm looking at. Yeah, <laughs> I ended up being very correct about that. Um, it, it this might sound silly, but what I what I went ahead and did th- there's a there's a great write up on the MCOS website on uh, Kumite 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one that Pez won and everyone got COVID. But um, <laughs> I, I heard but, that may have happened again this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Paul sent out Paul sent out a message this morning saying that some people were getting COVID. So I, if anybody got COVID from from the event, I, I I hope you all get healthy, healthy, quick. So that's, that's it's just, it, it just needs to be relabeled COVID day like people like twice now. Come on, just relabel it. Just relabel. It'll be fun. Yeah. So um I was telling Ben today, like, I think I'm just going to bring some COVID tests next next year and just put them on the prize table. And maybe people yeah. might take over. <laughs> yes. They might eat it the next day or five days <laughs> later. So, um, But anyways. Um, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very much a creature heavy uh, a meta there. Um, but again, like I looked at the, the 2021 report on the MCOS site. And I counted how many like creature based like aggro decks there were, and it was like seventy or eighty percent of the decks. And I'm yeah. like, if seventy eighty percent of the decks are running non artifact creatures and only non artifact creatures, like I need to be playing Abyss in the main. So that's where I ended up landing Abyss in the main, and then through my play testing with Red, I just added White, and I didn't really play test my deck with White, but the core of it remain the same i basically took the same list i was running with red that only had one wheel and i took out a wheel and put in a balance is basically what i did i took out something else and i put in a divine offering go ahead no no easy like easy choice right like just replace the wheel with a balance it's it actually might it's probably just better right like yeah absolutely yeah i mean in most matchups it is probably going to be better like if i don't find my answers to their creatures early and I have a balance in hand, I can just reset the board. Exactly. Um, and if I end up do getting my abyss down, like if it starts going sideways and they disenchant it or something, they spit out a bunch of creatures, I can just balance. So it just seemed like the right choice. Oh, I cut a fireball for a divine offering is what I did. So 
that ended sure. up being my list. Um, so I don't know if you want to want to talk. The only question I want to ask you is yeah. we'll go on. Oh, let's I'll just read off your list, guys. This will be a picture in the uh, on the website thing. And then I'm going to share it right now for those who are watching on on the Internet. Let me just pull it up. So for everybody just listening, four jugs, uh, four Suchi. This is a four-strip event, by the way, EC rules. Yes. Uh, four trikes, uh, two Tetravis, four manipulators, four copy artifact, two abyss, uh, blue power, black restricted card, white restricted card, uh, full set of jewels, lands that yeah, match on everything I just said. Yeah, it, it, the the normal, your standard stuff, right? Four factories, yep. four strips, four, four uh, workshops. Uh, sideboard, one extra Tetravis, two Relic Barriers, two uh, City in a Bottle, one Brain Geyser, playset of Disenchant, playset of, uh, or no, sorry, three Swords of Plowshares, one more Divine, and one more Abyss. Which, it all makes sense, like, the only thing I guess I'm surprised, it makes sense, right? Like, you're all, you're really relying heavily on those Abysses to take care of business, so there's no reason yeah. to have the Swords main. And then you're... In the mirror, you, you're probably set up better because you have a full play set of ICs, right? Like, and the plus, ICs also work for control control matchups. Plus relic barrier in the mirror, right? And yeah, I can. I mean, depending on what they're on, and I was just thinking game one mirror, game one mirror. Like in oh yeah, like before yeah. you can sideboard, like your ICs and that one divine offering are, are probably feel pretty strong uh, in the in the mirror match. Yeah. The only thing that would maybe scare me in a mirror match is I know a lot of shop decks run four icy plus two relic barrier, so mm, okay, okay, that might that was a little bit a little bit scary, right? But I'm thinking to myself, if they're running two relic barrier, that means they're probably thinner on threats than I am. They're probably running yeah. nine or ten or eleven creatures. They're probably running four Suchi, four Triskelion, and two Tetravis or something like. Nobody really plays Juggernaut, um, which is, I think, the big the big change to this list that mm -hmm. no one really plays Juggernaut that much. Um, and really my thought with this, and, and I was able to play test this a little bit, obviously, when I was playing with red instead of white. <clears throat> my whole my whole concept with this deck was to overwhelm the removal. So. If I'm playing against a white deck that has only white removal, they only have four disenchant, four swords, and one or two divine offering, maybe three. I had literally like 18 creatures, right? Because if I'm yeah, only copying copy threats, yeah. I have 18 creatures. So my goal was to all, unless like I'm behind on board. My goal was to be always copying a threat. I always like unless I'm like like getting my face kicked in and I need to start tapping their threats or you know their permanence or something with icy manipulator. My goal with this list was to only be tap or only be copying the a jug, a suchi, a triskelion, or a tetravis. That was the entire goal. Um so Again, a little bit bold, I guess. I don't know. Um, but my thought was, okay, if I get a Juggernaut out turn one and you Lightning Bolt it, whatever. I don't care. I'm just going to yeah. play a turn two Suchi. 
and you got to deal with that, right? All, all threats, maybe, no, yeah. All threats, yeah, no, it, like just get them. Yeah, and and to your point earlier, like swords in the main would be good, but I like to think of ICs as kind of that slot, right? Because if they mm-hmm. get down a threat, I can just start tapping it with icy. Which, I mean, it's not the same as Swordsing it, because you're not, you know, removing it from the game. It's still in play, but at least you're kind of dealing with it and getting around it, and your creatures are still getting through. Yeah, I mean, it effectively does the same thing, right? And, like, you still have the cost reduction, because you still have your factories, or not factories, shops. Uh, so I get I get it. Like, uh, I just, I've never played shops before, so I always have to think about those. And, like, it makes sense in, with how you built your deck. Um, I'll bring this up. I know it's on our list. Uh, I don't care about 61 cards. I think we all play. We've we're all guilty of the 61 card, even <laughs> though it's factually incorrect to play it. I think we yeah. all agree. Um, but no Library of Alexandria, which is yeah. slightly surprising. Yeah. So <clears throat> my brother Sean and I talk about this a lot. If I'm playing a mid range list, I think it goes in. Um, okay. But if I get library in my opening hand and I go library go, I am just playing the deck wrong because I need to be playing a threat as quickly as possible. And a lot of times I was able to do that turn one off moxes in a shop mm-hmm. or a bunch of moxes in a soul ring and a, and a basic. Like if I'm not puking my hand as quickly as possible and putting pressure on my opponent, I feel I'm kind of in, I might be in the minority thinking this, but my my entire goal was to put pressure on the board as quickly as possible to have them try to deal with it and get them on the back foot. Again, if, if, I'm, if I'm going turn one library, I just don't feel like I can, I mean, maybe I net a card off of it, maybe, sure, mm-hmm. but like, I, I don't know. Um, if I'm on the play, let me think about that. If I'm on the play, I go down to six, then I draw for turn, then I got to tap my library to draw to draw another card, right? So then then I play a workshop. I can't play a threat then. Then I go to the next turn. Just like it just puts me way behind my strategy of what I'm trying to do. Um, plus, like if you even if you look at the list from Winter Derby, a lot of people had library and they're 75 or 76 but a lot of them just put it in the sideboard and to me it was like what would i rather have a library of alexandria or swords plowshares or yeah, or like a brain geyser and just draw a bunch of cards at once close yeah yeah so this is like my decision to not include my library was probably incorrect but um i'm trying to make a good argument like i'm just trying to think of a matchup where i where I would have maybe brought it in and I can't really think of one where I would have really brought it in. So, um, and, and, and if it's to be at parity with an opponent who's on library, I guess I shouldn't really worry about that because. It's four one, strip baby. Yeah, exactly. Ron four strip two. Maybe, maybe they'll have to tap their library to cast something to, to, to keep up with me. I don't know, but that was my thought. I, I, I think, I think why, I think Library of Alexandria is auto included way too way too much in in decks. I, I think oh, okay, overrated. Got it. Yeah. Well, it's a very good card. Uh, uh, yes. 
uh, I have won many games off Liber of Alexandria. I just think if you're in a heavy aggro list and you're just trying to spill your hand out as quickly as possible, I'm just not sure that's the best place for it. Okay. So right. I don't know. That, I, I, uh, I don't disagree with that statement. I've seen other decks with it in this, in the sideboard. So, I mean, in a four strip environment, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think you're correct. I think you're correct. Ben, um, ben and I, Ben and I talked about this on the way home for maybe an hour about what Ben's a big fan of library of Alexandria. I like library too. Um, but Ben and I were trying to figure out what card in the sideboard comes out for a library. And I think we decided that it was the Tetravis. Probably. Um, it's probably... Yeah, probably like, the Tetravis. Like, two Relic Bears probably good against a Shop Smear. Or if they're playing um, Winter Orb. Or I'm playing right. against, you know, Dreams Combo and I want to turn off a Howling Line, right? Like, I think I think relic two Relic Bears good. I think two Sitting Bottles a no-brainer. Um, Brain Geyser, I'm kind of... Eh, on i think four disenchant is right i think three swords is right i think one divine offering is right and i think one of this is right so i think all like to the right of brain geyser i think is 100 correct um if, if i was gonna add it i would drop a disenchant because you already have one divine main one in the side so that gives you you have a fairly significant artifact removal package yeah uh, that's i mean if i had to I'm, i actually think i Probably, I mean, even if I had a low, I probably wouldn't, but I still think the Tetravis goes. Yeah, I think you're right. I was just worried about a moat deck, right? Where I just can't yeah, absolutely. impact anything, right? So that was my fear. But I think library is probably maybe better there. So anyways, that's my thought behind um, no library. The other thing is, is I didn't play uh, Felworth Stone. To me... Um, People love Felwar Stone. Yeah, I know your I think mana it's looks an pretty okay solid. Card. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm playing four, eight, twelve, twelve artifacts that are four drops. Like I just don't think I need it. Like you're not playing double blue. That's why I don't think you need it. Uh, that's my opinion. I'm not obviously. I'm never even fucking play chops, but the. I think I'll, I think you want to play the Felwar if you're playing Counterspell, so that you can go double blue a turn early. Yeah, and you know the other thing is if you have like I was talking to people about this, they're like, yeah, but if you have Felwar Stone and Soul Ring in your opening hand, it's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, that's like saying if you have Ancestral sure. and Time Walk in your first hand, it's amazing because yeah. you're gonna play one of both of them. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> it's right? cool when you have Black Lotus like fucking uh, Time Twister, like Mox Time Twister, right? Like it's fucking yeah. cool. Like exactly, yeah. Duh. It's just like <laughs> I just don't, I just don't get it. And to me, yeah, it helps you ramp early, but if you need a threat or you need an icy or something or like a divine offering and you draw a freaking Felwar stone mid or late game, you're like, Oh my God, give me any other card of my, give, give me a strip mine. Give me a Mizra's factory. Give me something. Some yeah. yeah. Give me a, give me anything but a Felwar stone. It's like paint. Like to me, Felwar stone, it's like paying two for a city of brass in the middle of a game or a late game. It's just it just is so bad mid and late game. And I might be in the minority here and people probably think I'm crazy, but I just I think the card is way overrated in my opinion. I just I don't I just don't see it. 
I'll get you, Urbano, and Sean all on together, and you guys can argue about that. We'll uh, we'll make a special segment if I can convince yeah. them. We, we can do that. <laughs> that actually sounds actually sounds good. Yeah. You guys I, can argue I think about your shots. I'll get, we'll get Nick on there too. We'll get Nick in there too. Yeah. Make it yes. a four a four way. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Okay. Let's so, get to the main event here. Okay. All right. So let's talk about it. Can we just say that there's probably not a surprise why you're on this podcast right now? What's that? Can we just talk about why it's not a surprise that you're on this podcast right now that you may oh, have won this yeah, event? Maybe? So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I went um, 6-0 at Kumite on Saturday. Um, and then I went 12-1 in games. So Yeah. So pretty went, fucking solid showing. Yeah. So um, honestly, I get like super nervous and it, like i don't know why i just get super super nervous before a tournament and even like in round three i'm still nervous um and even though you're like 3060 in round three you're nervous about that yes i okay. am all right because i'm i'm afraid that i'm gonna come up against a deck and i just don't know what it is i i play i play um on the edge of my seat and i probably shouldn't play that way and the funny thing is, is like some of the people I play, I know, so I don't even know why I do that. But um, like I, I know three of the people on on your round list, and I know two, like at least three of them are good dudes. So oh yeah, they all yeah. were good. Yeah, they all were good. Um, but you know, I, I don't know, I don't know why I get nervous. I do though. But anyways, um, so do you just want to talk about rounds and kind of who I was matched against? Yeah. And what, how things played out okay round so, round one's probably my favorite because like it's just like like to me round one is like it's like a gut check right because like i'm not gonna spoil it you can talk about the round but like that person's good and that like you know like this is like make or break like start in the winning winning bracket or go back where yeah. eric martin's in the loser bracket and you got him so you know what i mean yeah. it's not like you had eric martin round one we're like oh fucking cool i'll be i'll be ready to eat here in a minute yeah so round one i was paired up against uh, Josh Bergo, which is hilarious. Um, we both went to the table laughing, and the audience probably doesn't know why. Why? Why I thought? Why? Why they think? Why it's hilarious yet? So, um, Josh and I were both on rug at Eternal Weekend 2019, mm-hmm. and it was like th- three of the swingiest games of Magic I've played in a long time. When I played them, it was just like haymakers back and forth, like. He was playing uh, Urnum. He was playing his his typical rug where he's playing Urnums, Serendibs, um, Two-Headed Giant, Berserks, all this stuff. And I was on this low-curve rug deck that was playing, you know, Curd Apes and Pixies and Serendib Afrit and Llanowar Elves so I could ramp my Serendibs out quicker and I was playing four giant growth and and twelve bolts and or thir- or eleven bolts, and we had these super swingy matches and um <laughs> the last the last play uh I think the last uh, turn of of game three in in Eternal Weekend 2019, I just swing with my entire team and it just made the board super wide with like three or two measures factories like Llanowar elves like all these weenie creatures i just swung and had this super wide board 
And he didn't like I went all in on it and you think I could do it. And I just I had a giant growth. And I think I giant growth my Lanor elves and beat him with it. And and it, it like we've you know, we've we've talked about a potential rematch. Um, and I told I told Josh on Saturday and I don't know if you know this about Josh, but he has people sign his berserks that he beats with. Yeah. Oh, he's and, he's he's murdered me with some berserks before, just not in yeah. person. So he makes people sign the berserks that that they die to. And I was telling Josh Saturday, I'm like, if he kills me with that berserk, like, I'm going to sign it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. <laughs> That's right. Nobody is. That's the best part. Yeah. So um, so anyways, um, it, we, we just sat down at the table and laughed about it because before the tournament, we were talking about how you know, we wanted to play rug and we want to play a rug match later and all this stuff. And then we get paired up round one. So anyways, um, so I'm playing Josh round one and or uh, round one game one here. And um, he's he's got a little bit different of a deck that I'm that I'm used to. Um, he's typically strictly on rug, but he's splashed white. He's playing four color at this point and Price he's packing swords. What's that? Probably still on 12 lands. Like this man is like fucking got luck on his side. <laughs> he'll play like 12 bait. He'll play like 12 fucking duels and be like, that's enough. Shiv and dragon. Go ahead. Like, He's right. playing like two city of brass. I think just two playing four color. And I'm like, sure. I don't even know how it's working, but okay. Um, but anyways, uh, he got some, I got some early threats out. He was able to swords and disenchant them and, and kind of answer them. Mm-hmm. But, I eventually, I think he had Urnum and Serendip down, and then I, I got the Abyss out. I was gonna and, say you probably abyssed at some point. That was yeah. Out. So then I, I got, I got the Abyss out. Um, and you know Urnum and Serendip died, died a terrible death. Um, I think I got a, a Triskelion out and just was able to just swing home. Just the game completely changes once Abyss hits the table in a game like that. Like just just completely swings my way and I was able to find a threat and, and, and take, take game one. So um, for sideboarding for game two, I definitely brought in a third abyss and I brought in two city in a bottle because he's yeah, on just cripples four yeah. and, and he's got city of brass. So and he's running four color, right? So if you're running four color and you have City Brass to help you with that, and you're running four Arnhem and four Serendib, like, City Bottles is just going to absolutely wreck you. Um, so he actually got off to a pretty good start, but I was able to get City in a Bottle down. Um, and uh, I had a City of Brass, he had a City of Brass, they both died. Um, and again, like, you know, he wasn't able to play a lot of the cards out in his hand because of that. He couldn't find a Disenchant to get rid of my my abyss and i just eventually found a threat and just kind of uh one with that i think i had one or two icy manipulator down and was tapping some of his lands like so i was trying to keep him off certain colors i was definitely keeping him off white i think um so that's basically kind of how i what i did in game two and um so yeah that was that was definitely game two um i at one point in game one when he had serendib and Urnum down like i was a little bit worried because that can be a very quick death if you're like death returns, right? So everything okay? I got cats. I got cats. <laughs> it's all it's all good. I got one too. Um so anyways that was that was round one um in my game against Josh B. 
Yeah. So this next round, I think, is the most interesting one because we'll get to the rest of these lists, but I think this one is interesting because I think it can answer. It's got a good sweeper in it, right? So, but anyway, tell me about it. Yes. Okay. So uh, round two um, was against Jordan Zona. So I'm just, you know, I keep playing the Nashville crew, right? Like they just keep coming through here. I keep playing them. Um, He was on Troll Disco. Like you said, that did definitely um, worry me for sure, just because uh, disc can just completely wipe out what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, I had a little bit of a slow hand. Um, I got an icy down, was able to tap some of his his badlands to just kind of keep him off some of his colored mana. Um, and to be honest, like I started to kind of strip him out and he kind of got mana screwed and I just kind of found a threat and just kind of won that game. Um, okay. I was very surprised. Like I, like I, he might've mauled the six. Like I just felt bad. Cause like his deck just, this happens sometimes, right? Like you, right. His deck just doesn't work sometimes. And he didn't get very much down. Like, I think I even made a comment to him, like when we were sideboarding, like, I think I know what you're in, you're on, but I, I'm not sure. Like, I didn't see any sedge trolls. I didn't see any creatures that game. I didn't see a disc. I didn't see anything. Like, I, cause I was able to kind of keep him off land through strip mine and icy. So he couldn't really cast anything. Um, so, you know, assuming he was on troll disco, brought in another abyss. Um, at this point, yeah. I'm thinking, damn, I should have just played three in my main because I keep bringing it in like every game so far. Um, I brought in two swords um, against his his trolls, and I brought in, I think, two or three disenchants. I pulled out the juggernauts um, because I was just afraid if he has lightning bolts, like that's just going to be bad for me, especially with his creatures being harder to kill. So I ended up taking the jugs out um, for most of that. I can't remember what else I maybe cut. Um, but I think I had at least three answers to his. I might have left one divine offering in and maybe brought in another divine offering and one disenchant is my, maybe what it would have been. But I had answers to his disc, had answers to his trolls, right? Like between four ICs, three abyss and two swords, that should be enough to answer such yeah. troll. So um that's how i sideboarded for game two um game two i had the abyss in my opener so i was able to kind of get that down but i waited to play it until he played a troll so he kind of played he like played troll go and then i said abyss and then again like i'm able to get some creatures down and just kind of overwhelm him at that point and just kind of took game two so um I think I I think I got lucky there. I mean, I got lucky a lot of times. Like I was talking to DFB after the tournament. Like, uh-huh. in order to win a tournament, like, like you have to play a good deck, you have to play well, and you have to get really lucky. Like, in the fact that I didn't really see any threats game one, like, was super lucky for me. And I I like I feel bad when games aren't interactive like that because I'm here to play something. I'm not, I'm not here to like you know watch them play a land and not do anything right. So. Kind of felt bad about that, but that's, you know, I've been on the other side of that, and that's how it goes sometimes. So that was round two. All right. I don't know. I don't know this next person, but I'm I probably am fairly familiar with his deck. This should be an easy matchup. I'm actually oh. surprised in round three he's he's in the winner's bracket. 
<laughs> he's probably a good player. I'm just saying I know the deck pretty well. Yeah. So th- again, Nashville crew um, played Stephen Bush. He was on Naya Bazaar Zoo. Um, oh, he's playing Bazaars. Never mind. He's playing a better deck than I would play. Yeah. So he's on he's on Naya Bazaar Zoo. Um, it's it's very close to Jacob's. I actually talked to him today um, before uh-huh. the pod, and I, like I was just curious, like. I didn't see his deck photos, so I I just didn't know if he had it around and if I could see it. So um, he's playing something very similar to what Jayco typically plays with, you know, um, four apes, um, you know, yeah, Savannah it's got lions. lions. It's like yeah. all the one drops. Yeah, it's Creature, very all that yeah. stuff, right? Um, so, you know, game one, um, he had an opener with Sylvan Library, which is like really pretty good for the deck he's playing. Um, he gets a couple lions on board and then, um, again, like I get lucky all day. I play the abyss and then just kind of take <laughs> it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the, the, the abyss hits the board and the complexion of the game completely changes. Um, the, the abyss hits the board. I find my robots. Um, and then, you know, I think he disenchants some of them, but like it just I have so many of them, it just doesn't matter. So I ended up and taking Trikes, game yeah. that one. Trike's a murder spree against this deck. I mean, I played this deck so much that I don't play it anymore because like it's it doesn't work well against Trikes. Like Trike's fucking murder. So Yeah. You gotta well, play the up thing the curve. Is, like I was really wor- like this is the matchup. I kept thinking to myself, like, Argothi and Pixie could like really mess me up here. So um you're playing a virtual I in another abyss. You'd be okay. Yeah, yeah, but still, it's still scary, right? So I brought in a, I brought in another abyss. I think I brought in swords to maybe deal with pixies. Um, sure. Maybe like two of them. Um, and I figured if he's on Jaco's list, he's probably not running running City of Brass. My only real threat is going to be Kurt Ape, so I don't think I sighted in City in a bottle. Um, but I decided in swords to help deal with, with pixies. So, um, so anyways, um, I went ahead and played, uh, game two there. Um, pretty sure he signed in divine offerings because I think a couple of my threats got DO'd. Um, and I think I remember playing this game where, uh, it was early. I think I tried to tried to copy one of my threats and he ended up uh i think he divine offered it uh while copy was on the stack and i ended up having to copy a mox i think i think this was this game so uh but i eventually was able to kind of fight through this with you know how many creatures i had and was able to take it down so that was a good game um good matchup i didn't see an argothian pixies again like sometimes you just get lucky that probably would have been challenging for me. I can't shoot pixies. It, you know, I can't block pixies. The only thing I can do is type it, you know, tap it with an icy or, or it dies to the abyss or I swords it. Right. I only only have like three answers for it. So, um, again, got lucky there. I don't think I ever saw pixies. I think I saw lions and apes. That's pretty much it. So, um, so anyways, that was, that was round three. Easy money on that one. The, um, I don't, I know the last person you play. I don't know these middle two people. Yeah. So round four, 
This was definitely the hardest match I played. I, I was going to say, the rest of this looks not terrible, not like a terrible matchup, but I'm curious about this one, I guess. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a combo deck. So I played Brandon Adams. He was on Power Artifact. Um, and it's a combo deck, right? So, you know, this one's a little bit concerning for me because I only really have one answer for it, which is Divine Offering on my main, right? Like, right. that's pretty much all I got. I can't you know i can't really tap down his um yeah, his basalt it doesn't, monolith yeah, it doesn't because, matter because he's just gonna respond and float three and untap it right so like i can't yep. really do much um so what ended up happening with this one game one um he was able to answer some of my creatures with fireballs um and some artifact removal um he he was able to get out, I believe, a Basalt Monolith, but he didn't have Power Artifact. He eventually got Power Artifact. Um, but the pivotal point in the game is I eventually get out a Jug and a Suchi, and I just I just start just pounding with a Jug and Suchi, and he, he can't answer him. He's already answered some of my creatures I've played, and he, he just can't answer a Jug and a Suchi. I get him down to nine, and I... He he goes he he gets power artifact out in one turn and a rocket launcher, but you can't use rocket launcher the turn it comes into play. You yeah. have to wait. You gotta turn. wait one turn. Yeah. So I have one turn to kill him, right? And this is game one. So <clears throat> he has a city of brass untapped. Okay. I draw, I draw an icy manipulator, and I'm just like this game. This game is over. Actually, I didn't have a jug and a Suchi. I had two Suchis out. Sorry. I had a Suchi and a copy of Suchi. I did not have a juggernaut. Um, so I can only do eight to him, okay? I swing for eight. I get him down to one. So I had only a, I had two Suchis out. I do eight to him. He's at one. He has a City of Brass untapped. I draw Icy Manipulator. I'm just like... Oh my god, I've won this game. Like, I was so worried that he was going to just rocket launcher me, right? And I was going to lose. So, I get super excited, right? Like, I'm composed, but, like, inside, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to win this game by tapping a city breast. This is going to be so awesome. Like, I cannot wait to do this. So, I get super excited about it. I tap my mana. I don't play a land yet. This is second main phase. I haven't played my land yet, stupidly. I I tap my workshop in something else. I think it was like, I don't know, whatever. It was like a an underground sea or something. I play my icy manipulator and I have one mox untapped. And he goes power sync for one. And I just wasn't thinking. And I had already like put down icy and was start and like said, I'm going to tap your city of brass. And then I did that really quick. And then he's like power sync for one. And I wasn't thinking that the, the land, like the mocks that I had just tapped to tap icy to tap his city of brass was untapped when he would have cast. Right. Um, when he would have cast the power sync. So I didn't pay for the power sync, but I've been thinking about this. Like you have to pay for power sync, right? Like your mana taps for it. So if you if you're if you have a spell cast and you have open mana, 
you have I think it's, I think I think you it's have land, to pay. So. Like I would have had to pay, I think. I've just been thinking about this. It's all lands with mana abilities. So you would you could use your mocks because it's not a land. So, so like the 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 whatever oracle text, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's like, quote, counter target spell unless its controller pays X. If that player doesn't, they tap all lands with mana abilities they control and lose all unspent mana. So you would, but they're not, like, moxes aren't lands, so you get around it. Yeah. So anyways, like, that was my biggest punt of the day. If I just would have, like, slowed down, thought about him saying power sync for one, tap my mox, paid the one, played out a land, and then tapped his city brass, I would have won. Like, I had the game won. But we he ended up passing the turn and he beat me with rocket launcher. So, anyway, it happens. It happens. That was that was my biggest punt of the day, and it was just because I was playing fast. I should have just slowed down, said, "Hey, I'm gonna play a land out. I'm gonna cast this. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to. You know, I'm gonna try to tap the city of brass. So, just lesson learned, I guess. So, anyways, um, so, <clears throat> anyways. Game two, um, I take a lot of cards out. So I take out Time Twister. It just, like, I don't know. Like, Time Twister was pretty good for me when I played it during the day. But, like, I don't know. Like, it j- I just didn't, like, for me. You don't want to cycle like, their it, combo pieces back. Yeah, exactly. Really like, do, right? like, like, do I really want to give him seven cards for him to maybe find his combo pieces? Like, it just seemed not good. So I cut Time Twister. I cut Two Abyss. I cut a Balance, because Balance just seems terrible, because he's not playing any creatures. Right. And I bring in one Divine Offering for Disenchant. And I'm just like, you whenever should. I see a Power, a or a uh, Basalt Monolith, I am just going to just Divine Offer it or Disenchant it. So... Turn two, or game two, <laughs> uh, I go turn one Juggernaut, okay? And he's like, okay. Turn two, I go uh, uh, copy Juggernaut, swing for five. And then I, I think he the next turn he kills one of my Juggernauts, but I find something else. I, I think I won game two in like two minutes or something. Because oh, yes. just, yeah. yeah, just Juggernaut comes down, I copy it. Um, he has to answer the copy. Um, the next turn. So, uh, but yeah, you know, game two was pretty quick. And then we go to game three, right? So, <laughs> turn one, right? He goes Mox, Mox, Tropical Island, Basalt Monolith, go. Mm. Just like, wow, okay. Yeah. So, so then I go turn one, Disenchant. And then turn two, he goes Basalt Monolith. <laughs> and then I go Divine Offering. So we're kind of duking it out. Um, you know, I eventually dig and find some creatures. I think I kept a, a, a medium hand because I had a couple art, artifact removal in it just because okay. I thought yeah. if you get something down early, I can just, you know, disenchant it or divine offering it and just kind of go for a longer game. He eventually regrows his monolith. He gets power artifact on it. But he he doesn't he can't find rocket launcher he, he can't find count, stream yeah. of life and he can't find fireball he can't find all three of them for like three turns. I eventually disenchant it with the power artifact on it, 
And then again, just like all these other games, I eventually just, you know, draw into my threats and then I just win that way. So like, but I was, I would talk to him after the game. Like I was literally scared to death of like, he's got this combo hanging out and it's sitting there for like three turns and he can't find the last piece to his combo. So that was round four. That was, you know, I punted game one. I probably should have won game one, but uh, it, it's whatever. We still had three pretty good swingy matches. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a fun round for sure. But uh, made out on that one two one. Nice. That was the only loss of the day. Yes, that was my only loss of the day. So. Um, so round five, I played uh, Lorian Elman from the lords of the pit he was on this black blue white good stuff deck where you know he was on lions and serendibs and all this stuff right and just kind of he's splashed for black power and and all this um so this is another this is another one of those games just like the naya game where you know he gets lions out quick and um this is another one of those games right i get abyss down and um, I think I get a juggernaut down and I just ride that for the win. Um, and again, abyss just coming down, just changes the complexion. Um, the thing I've noticed with these white decks I'm playing is a lot of times these threats come down so early that they have to answer it with a disenchant. And a lot of times they don't have a disenchant for like an abyss because if they don't disenchant my threat, they're dead and you know, like if it's a juggernaut, if they don't disenchant it, they're dead in like four turns. So if they yeah, you're overloading though, the disenchants. Yeah. So it's almost like you need to want to save your disenchants in case I get abyss down. But um, but that's pretty much how game one went. Um as far as sideboarding, I brought in another abyss. Again, this sounds like a theme at this point. It, I've only cited them out in round four. Every other game I've cited them, you know, brought that abyss in. I think I brought in some more creature removal too, just to make sure I had enough. Um, this game was pretty crazy. He <laughs> he brought in everything for for white. He brought in divine offerings. He probably bought it. Brought in three, I would guess. He brought in you know his i don't know if he was playing for disenchant main but if if he didn't he was he was bringing in his fourth he brought in four swords and this this game i was playing threats and then he was just killing him with his removal and i think he probably killed he he plowed disenchanted and diode probably maybe five creatures maybe six creatures and uh, if memory serves me right, I think I got a time twister in there at some point and was able to shuffle some of them back. Well, I'm shuffling his removal back, but I'm like shuffling some of them back. And um, this this was a pretty interesting game because he only had one white source and I kept on tapping it during his upkeep. So, you know, I would play a threat or something and then on his upkeep i'd be tapping his white source and then he would just be like disenchanting on his upkeep or doe on his upkeep because that's his only window to his only window because of icy um so this was a really pretty good game um but you know again i was able to overwhelm the removal at that point and just kind of 
get some threats to stick. And then once I get them to stick, I've been holding back my copies. So I just start copying stuff and and then it just kind of just, you know, the game just kind of ends at that point. Um, I think he was at like 28 or something like that. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) He was at 28, I think. And uh, I was able to kind of just keep swinging in and 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 beat him that way. So um, good matchup. Went 2-0 on this one. Um, But uh, I did have to definitely fight through that removal game, too. Nice. All right. Um, last round? Yes, this is the rat last round. So in round five, there were four of us that were undefeated at that point. Um, Paul Fierro ended up uh, winning his match, and Paul's also the, the host of, of Kumite, right? Uh, him and the Knights of Tapoir. And it was basically Michigan versus Ohio for the belt. So um, Paul was on his living plane prison deck, which is if you haven't seen Paul's deck, it's amazing. Like he has all these incredible altars in it. He Susan Van Camp was there and we can talk about that here in a minute. He got Susan Van Camp to alter one of his old man of the sea that he he plays in his deck. Like she put like uh, I think she put like a pirate hat on the old man and like put like a treasure chest or something next to it. Like it was an amazing altar that she did for him. Um, but Paul has this awesome living plane prison deck that he he loves to play. Um, so it was interesting. Like he's got a lot of land destruction in it too, which is kind of scary for me right like if he can start landing his land destruction and get living plane down like it like all my all my lands get summoning sickness um i can't use them the turn they come in to play like it really slows me down so i'm not gonna lie it fucks up your abysses too what's that fucks up your abysses too yeah it does for sure for sure um so anyways on this matchup, um, he was able to get, I, I think, Birds of Paradise and a, a Prodigal Sorcerer out. Um, he was also playing the Legends Banding Lands. So for this event, <clears throat> all those Legends Banding Lands, uh, they also tap for the color that, that yeah, they're yeah. in. So, they, he, so that's they made a house they play with. Yeah. So he was playing a lot of those. Um, but he wasn't really able to get his his deck going. He couldn't really get living plane out. He couldn't really get any more threats out. Um, and I was just able to get threats out quick and just and just won that way. So again, like similar, like I was able to I, like I can't recall. I think I did like you know turn one or two jug or sushi and just and just kept on you know uh, casting threats and just and just won that way. Um, Game two, um, a little bit afraid of energy flux. He's on blue, so I cited in for disenchant. Um, I don't know if I brought in a third abyss. Um, I think I thought about it. I'm not exactly sure, but my main thing was he's on living plane and he has energy flux. So I just need to be able to disenchant those two things, and then I should be okay. Right. Um, get an early threat. Get an icy. He does get an early living plane down, 
and I don't have a white source, but I do have a disenchant in my hand. Um, I hadn't played a white source. I had a tundra in my hand and a disenchant in my hand, but I had yet to play a white source. Um, that turn, I think I, I think I draw Mox Pearl. I play a tundra. I can't use it though because that's summoning sickness. But I do play my pearl. I do disenchant living plane, and then from there again, like I think I get a trike out. I think I copy it. I game right trike to the out. victory. Take you know take take my my uh, my plus one plus one counters off and just kind of finish it that way. So um, yeah, it just again like. Speed's the name of the game with my deck. I just I'm there to just put a threat down on turn one or two, and if my opponent can answer it, great. I'll just try to draw another one. If I can't draw another one, I'm just gonna draw draw an icy manipulator, or put down an icy manipulator. Start tapping down their stuff to slow them down. I mean that's just the name of the game with my deck. So that's ended up that's what ended up happening with uh, with round six, and you know ended up taking home home the belt at that point. So. Um, but you know, kudos to all my opponents all day, you know, especially Paul, like if, if anybody, again, if anybody's wondering, I said this about Dave's tournament earlier for thrash bash, if anybody's on the fence about going to Kumite, do it. It's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing event. Um, you play for this, this beautiful belt. I don't know if you want me to put it on my down cam so your so your it YouTube is, audience can see it. It is quite but. excellent. I, I'll ask you for a picture of it so I can post it. Uh, it is like a real belt, though, right? Like it's yeah, it's real. Yeah, yeah. It's got some heft to it. It does. Um, here, let me see if I can if I can grab it real quick here. So I have it on my wall here. Um, I just you know if anybody wants to know the hack, it's uh. It's two thumbtacks, <laughs> but uh, but it does definitely does have some weight to it. Here, let's see if I can switch my cam. One second. Oh, you use OES. Oh. Oh, he actually got it like engraved, engraved too. Okay. Excellent. So, um, there's a cam. I don't know if you can quite see it. Very yeah, well. you can. You can see it. So there's like uh, a chaos orb on the main part, and it says. Uh, world champion Kumite on the front of it. Um, then there's a Sarah Angel over here. There's a Berserk over here. And then um, uh, Juzam. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, you can. Then uh, Shivan. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the belt. Um, so you're priced into going next year because you have to take the belt back to play for again. Is that correct? Well, here's the thing about that. <clears throat> the last two years, so the belt, the belt, I believe, has been around. This is the third year of the belt. And the first year has won it. And the, so yeah, two years ago, Pez won it. Last year, uh david lance won it he's from he's from our group in columbus so david won it last year um david is a really good player um he he played pink weenie last year and took it down with pink weenie Ooh, nice um and uh <laughs> raja wanted to honor david this year and played david's exact list 
at Kumite this year. And I think Raja won two or three games, I think. So, um, so <laughs> I he's think a pretty Raja strong player. Said, so like, <laughs> I'm questioning my life decisions at one point, I think is what he said. Um, but, you know, very, very proud that, you know, um, Ohio was able to take the belt back because, um, you know, Cleveland, Akron, Cincinnati, all of us, we, we, we talk all the time and we have, you know, quite, quite, a few, you know, quite many players here in, in, in Ohio that play up in Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati and, and, and Akron and, and, and other places, too. So, um, you know, proud, proud to take that belt back to Ohio. There's a little bit of a rivalry brewing here. You know, I, I built, I, I beat uh, Paul in the final there um, in Paul's from Michigan. So a little bit of a, of a, of a Midwest rivalry going there, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was a great event. A um, lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I was just, I was just surprised, like, you know, going 12 and one is just like, very hard to do i'm surprised i honestly did it like i and like i said like i think a lot of this stuff kind of went my way on that day um not you know playing you know a troll disco deck and not seeing a creature game one like that's just me getting lucky me drawing abyss as much as i did like that's pretty darn lucky too so i just think you know things just went my way that day and and uh you know yeah it was it was it was a great time great event um and uh again proud to proud to bring the belt back to ohio yeah i mean it's a big deal uh you guys should have a a state line showdown uh but yeah like there like the the room was uh not full of slouches uh i know that the nashville crew showed up and i know they're good uh i believe dfb simon christie Will McGran, I want to talk about that, uh, but I got to wrap up soon, but that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, like those guys showed up. Uh, Paul Fierro is obviously no slouch. Um, I can't, I don't, I didn't see anybody else on my timeline that was there, but like, that's like a pretty good murders row uh, of players. So it wasn't like, uh, this wasn't a like Eric Martin tournament, 12 people in the back. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I guess yeah. I'm arguing for. Yeah, and you know when I saw Dave and Will and Simon show up, I'm like, wow, there's going to be some real competition for the belt today, like no doubt. In yeah. you know, um, I think who was the other undefeated from round six? Like uh, you said, two people, four people undefeated in the round going into round six. Who was your other undefeated? Which I'm sure you just beat on breakers, but like, uh... so Lorian and I played. We were both okay. of us were undefeated when we played. Um. It doesn't. If you don't I know, it's not a big deal. I, ha- I have yeah. it. I have it. Um, and then um, Andy Callahan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so Andy, um, Andy and Paul played, and then Lorian and I played. Uh, gotcha. And Paul beat Andy, and then I beat Lorian, and then Paul and I played for the belt. So gotcha. that's basically okay. how it worked out. Um, and I, I, Andy's deck was was pretty good too um andy i talked to andy afterwards and he said just like he just couldn't get threats down quickly and then paul put down living plane and then paul started like ice storming him and just it just kind of fell apart so absolutely um, yeah so uh but yeah it was it was a great time um afterwards 
I, I heard the Nashville Airbnb had a conference room. Would you can you can you tell me about this? A conference room? Uh yeah. So okay, so after the event, um Dave, Will, Simon, Ben, and I, the five of us, we went out to dinner mm-hmm. and um <laughs> while we were waiting for our table, Dave had the great idea of taking pictures of me around downtown Jackson of me uh, posing with the belt. Excellent. Um, Let me see if I can, if I can share here real quick. Um, So this was one photo that Dave took of me um, with, you know, posing with the belt here, um, which is just absolutely hysterical. Um, And then, uh, there's another one here. We found this like tree stump in front of a in front of a store. So uh, let's see if I can find it here real quick. Um, yeah, here we go. So we found this restaurant called Junkyard Dog. And okay. I posed in front of this restaurant called Junkyard Dog, sitting on this like tree stump or something. So. Uh, these are pretty hysterical. Um, this was Dave's idea, but we had 30 minutes to kill before we were going to get called for our table. So we had to kill, we had to kill time some, some, some way. So, um, so, you know, took my glam shots with, with, with Dave and, and the crew, we ended up eating dinner and then we drove over to this Nashville Airbnb. I had not been there. Ben and I drove in the morning of, uh, yeah, Dave, Simon, and Will flew into Detroit the night before and drove over, rented a car. So they had actually seen this Airbnb in the conference room. You walk into this Airbnb, there's this gigantic kitchen. The Nashville guys are playing Type 4 on the left. If anybody doesn't know what Type 4 is, uh, it's basically mono green, and everybody draws from a center deck on the table and plays mono green cards. So it's, it's an interesting format. It's a lot of fun. Um, looked like a lot of fun. I didn't play it. And then off to the right is this conference room. And instead of being social with these people that we came to this Airbnb of, uh, Dave, <laughs> Dave, Will, Simon, myself, and Ben, we decided to just like camp out in the the conference room of this Airbnb. And um, Ben and Dave played, uh, uh, they played, uh, Alpha to Alliances plus Apocalypse Painland Anti. And mm. that was hysterical watching the two of them play. And That's a Cam's was, new anti format, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and um well, when we were at the restaurant, you know, Will and I were talking workshop tech and stuff like that. And I said, Do you want to play? Do you want to play when we get back? I was, you know, I just figured, you know, I haven't played Will in workshops, so I might as well try, right? So um Will's like, yeah, yeah, let's play. Um, so Will and I, we start playing our game. And this, you know, Dave calls this like round seven for John or something. Yeah, I don't round know. Seven. <laughs> and uh, so I'm playing Will. Will's on blue, black, red. I'm on blue, black, white. So blue, blue, black, white is typically what Will plays. But, you know, um, He's playing red. He's got like Blood Moon in the main. He's got Atog. I think he's got Abyss in the main too. Um, I have this crazy opener. I think I have Time Walk and, and DT. 
IDT for Ancestral. I probably should have got Mind Twist and Mind Twisted him. I ended up not doing that. I got DT instead. Um, got my Icy down. Got Asuchi. Um, I got some ridiculous gas on that Ancestral. I got like a Lotus and a couple threats. Um, I think I was able to, to cast like a Trike or something off the Lotus. Um, and I just gassed out and just, you know, puked my hand basically. Um, I think he had a relic barrier, but it just didn't matter. I just had too many threats yeah, too and much. I took down game one. So um game two, I I take out I take out Abyss. I I, I think I side in a disenchant, but my th- I'm kind of like shaving copies and stuff a little bit. Like maybe a copy, maybe some of these other colored cards, because I know he's gonna try to bring in Blood Moon and just try to blood moon me and just get me off all my colored cards. So what I do is I bring in like two relic barrier. I bring in a, a third Tetravis. Like I'm just trying to just make my my deck as mono brown as possible in case he gets Blood Moon down. And he gets this crazy opener with like he gets Library down. Like he plays like Ancestral and Lotus and all this stuff. He's on Library. He gets Blood Moon down and he just he just out threats me and and. And, and wins and for anybody curious blood moon on the table and a shop smear is the most boring game ever because you're both swinging with sushi at each other and you're both taking four because you block the per- other person's sushi with your sushi and you just both take four damage like it's they're not very interesting games um but anyways uh we play game three he has library turn one again um and I remember I was on the play, obviously. So um, I balance him early. I think I get two moxes down and two lands. And then I balance him while he was on library. And I think he had to go down to like three cards or four cards or something, which made his library just basically null and void. And <clears throat> just like, you know, just like these other games, like he gets threats out. He gets relic barrier out. Um he eventually gets two blood moons on board, but since I sighted in, I think at that point I had, um, I think I had 15 creatures in the deck. I just, I just find more threats than him and, and just take it down that way. So, um, like I told Dave, like if that's in a tournament, like I think Will and I take all the obvious lines in that game, but if we're in a tournament together playing, like, Due to the pressure of the tournament, it probably plays out differently, maybe. I don't know. Like like I said, I get nervous sometimes in a tournament. But um, but anyways, um, there were very close matches, but I ended up beating beating Will at, at, at the house in, in the conference room of the Airbnb. Excellent. So that's what happened in round seven. So. I'm going to get that address for next year. Yeah, yeah. So if you come next year, I think they should rent the Airbnb. I guess Alan Finney had like two like racing simulators in his bedroom or something insane like that. It was just like this insane house. So um, that was a good time. We had fun. One thing I forgot to mention, um, Tom Hagen was able, he's, he's fostered a relationship with Susan Van Camp. And uh, those of you who don't know, Susan Van Camp um, has been out of the game. I'm big into sign cards and she, she's been out of the game of magic for, for quite some time over a decade. Um, I think she had some health health challenges and um, some of that is better. Now, a lot of that's better from what Tom's told me. 
and she's signing again and she was at Kumite and it was just incredible to be able to interact with her again. I, I met her at, uh, at Gen Con in 2010 or 2009 or something. And she signed some of my cards and she was super nice. And she's just, she's just a very nice person. And it's just great to see someone who is inactive for some time, be able to come back to the game. Everyone gave her lots of love. Um, I told her stories about Gen Con and I think she was getting emotional about it. Like I wasn't trying to make her emotional, but like the thing is, is like, when you get to talk to these artists and just tell them how much it means, how much this game means to them, how much their art means to you. Like, I think that can be overwhelming to them at what at least was for Susan. So um, I'm very happy to, to say that, you know, she's back, she's signing, she, she signed a ton of cards um, for everybody there. And just, it was just great to see her back out in the community. So that was awesome to see, and I'm, I was proud to be at the event that that she came back uh, and, and did signing for. So uh, that was awesome to have her there. All right, uh, my wife is staring at me from that direction. What do you What do you <laughs> want to close out with? Oh, geez. Well, this is. I don't know, man. Um, uh, I, I think I, I would like to get if if you want to do another pod with you know we can do another one. Yeah, with some other shops players, I think that'd be a lot of fun. We can talk about each other's lists. Um, and, you know, just wanted to say thank you for having me. I know we've talked about doing this for a while. Um, it was great being here, talking, you know, talking my, my list and, and glad I could, you know, um, you know, share how my day went. And it, it was it was awesome. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And, and uh, keep doing what you're doing on the pod. It's been awesome. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been good to talk to you. I'm gonna actually just turn this off. We can keep talking. Hold on. Yada yada yada. There's the stop. All right. Hope you enjoyed the episode. See you next time.